0: Um, obviously pastor, senior and junior on vacation still, and uh, they'll be back next week and uh, they've left their church in the hands of the drummer. (laughs) And and when I walked in this morning, I got, I had a bunch of questions. One person was, you're not going to be past 12, are you? The other person was, you got on enough jewelry. (laughs) And I'm thinking... That's what you get when you let the drummer take over the church. (laughs) So I'm thinking to myself, well, that's okay, that's a good start for me anyway. Let's start out with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this morning, and we pray, Father, that you would uh, be with uh, Pastor Senior and Junior this morning, Lord. Father, that that you would bless them wherever they're at this morning, and God, that you would give them safe travels uh, when they do head back this way. and that you would just deliver them back to us uh, safely and Lord, uh, that He would uh, continue to preach the message, Lord, uncompromisingly. We thank you for them and we pray, God, that you would be with us today. Lord, that you would just give us something to take away in, in our thoughts today and in our prayer lives. and Lord, that you would just continue to bless us as your people. And Father, if there are any here, Lord, who do not know you, we pray, Father, that you would just speak to them and to their hearts, Lord, and that. Uh, you would just soften their hearts this morning, amen. All right. Like I said, it's been a while since I've been up here, and I think the last time I was here when uh, Pastor was on vacation, I think it was uh, Pastor Tony came in here and preached, wasn't it? I think it was was it Pastor Tony? If some of you guys were here, and it was really something because. Normally, I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the church and, you know, minding my own business because when I come up, and play the drums, I do my thing. And, you know, like most of us, some of us hang out a little bit late on Friday, we do our own thing. And I'm hanging out in the back and I'm minding my own business and Pastor Tony's coming up to preach and I'm, I said, okay, you know, I'll just uh, put my phone away, finish out what I'm doing, you know. Because a lot of times when you're sitting in the back far corner of the church, like I do sometimes sort of like where my son's sitting over there sometimes. You're, you're really not paying attention to what's going on because you got so much going through your mind. And uh, and it's, it's, it's sort of like being at a football game and you're, you're in that cheap seats where you can't even see the team. The jumbotron looks like a little small telephone. So I'm really not paying attention to anything that's going on. And then uh, Pastor Tony starts to preach. He, he really starts to preach, and he's, he's really dropping fire and brimstone and he's dropping conviction all over the place and all of a sudden i'm perking up and i'm thinking wow this the message is completely convicting i'm sitting there i'm I'm starting to sweat almost in the back there because you know sometimes when you're out of sorts with the lord you're you know you're not really looking to to hear what's going on and you had got a substitute pastor standing there before you and and it really started to get convicting with the with the uh, firing brimstone that he was preaching. I was like, this message is just so difficult for me today. And sometimes through life we go through difficult times, and everybody's got different different things that they go through in their lives. You could come here some days, you could just be uh, um, depressed or having problems at home, problem with your kids, you know, which we all do. And you know, I have a problem with my wife and my kids and everything else, and uh, you know, I just wasn't in the mood for a whole lot going on. And I and I tell you, Pastor Tony really he perked me up when he started uh, speaking. And he is such a blessing, and that's the way Tony Tony preaches all the time. You know, and and you sit in the back of the church sometimes you're really tired, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well. Maybe I'll just lay my head back and get a little shut-eye. You know what I'm thinking at this time? Maybe I'll just relax. And, but his message was so beautiful, and he started to talk about some of the things we watch on TV. And I started to think to myself, and he says, how do we allow some of this stuff that we watch, and we call it entertainment? And I thought to myself, you know, somewhat convicted because a lot of the TV I watch is... A lot of violence, a lot of shooting, you know, and we as men, we, we tend to like the action stuff. And I mean, the Word, it is unbelievable what the Word of God will do in your life. It will convict you. And the Bible talks about it being a double-edged sword, and it will pierce your conscience when you read this book. And everything is based in life, everything is based on the Word of God. Everything. So when we're going through life and through life, we're going through diff- difficult times, this is where it's at. This, this is where your prayer is. This is where we need to come to first. So many times we don't do that, though. We don't come, we don't come to the Bible first. We either complain about it, we try to fix it, we try to uh, figure out how we can make it work in our lives without the Lord. That's what we do. And then we tend to pray later after we can find no answers. And sometimes it's so difficult for us. You know, you hear about uh, people committing suicide and they have reached the bottom. Once a person does that, they have absolutely reached the bottom. And they, they see no hope. They absolutely see no hope. But if you're here today, under the sound of my voice, there is hope. There really is. Regardless of how difficult it may be. This 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 Bible with no covers is the answer, and for some of you it's an NIV. I didn't have, I didn't, I couldn't find my New King James, but it is the answer to all of our problems. But we have to rely on it, you know. And sometimes for us, we get uh, busy in life, work, yeah, and work is the big part. And you got people coming at you, you, your job, you're running around, you're just doing your thing. It's just very difficult to focus on. The most important thing in our lives, you know. Frank always talks about he's he's into dirt biking and he does his thing, and you know his ministry is with the dirt bikes and the kids. This is the most important thing in your life. It doesn't matter what college you go to, whether you graduate summa cum laude. It doesn't matter whether you're making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. None of that stuff matters. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet for for his soul? What does it? All the fame and fortune in the world doesn't fill some of the voids that, that we look for in this life sometimes. It really doesn't. You know. It's a very difficult thing. And this word is so meaningful. It teaches us, it rebukes us when we need it. All the knowledge and everything we need for life and godliness is found in this book, it says. Everything we need. But how many times do we rely on it? Pastor Tony was talking about our prayer lives. And I'm in the back going, oh, man, this guy's killing me. It was almost like Pastor Tony had been following me around for the last month or two. Our prayer lives, you know. And I'm thinking. When's the last time you studied your word? And I mean study the word. When you open up the Bible, sometimes you go home, "Eh, well, you know what, we'll just kind of scan through here today. And you shut the book and you're all done. It's absolutely amazing what can happen when you buckle down, you study the word and you're praying. But it's so easy to just walk away and turn on the TV. Very easy. Very easy. You know, I was having a discussion with one of the guys at work the uh, the other day, and he was mentioning to me um, that he believed in uh, evolution over creation. I was like, mm, okay. And he was giving me his points, and he says, I really, I really like talking about this stuff. You know, I said, there's nothing wrong with it. I said, it's, it's, it, you know, it's healthy conversation to talk about what you believe. I said, I personally don't believe it. You know what I mean? You know, so he was telling me, well, I think things, uh, you know, evolved over. I said, what? Over about ten trillion years? Yeah, something like that. It's okay, <laughs> ten trillion years. And I told him, I said, well, there's a bottle in front of you. I said, uh, did somebody make that bottle? He goes, well, yeah, somebody made that bottle. Well, how much more than you being made in the difficulty that you were made with all your parts and just everything working together, your organs, that you would think nobody made you. And he was kind of scratching his head. I said, that's why I believe God created us all. It's very simple to me. You know? and, I th- and I think the Bible is very simple, but it's difficult because people don't want to follow it because once you believe it, now you've got to follow it. Now you've got to follow his commands. That's the, that's, the, that's the difficult part. If, if I acknowledge that I believe it, then I've got to, I, now I have to process that information that I have now. I have to process that and go, well, he's either God or he's not. And that's where the Bible takes us. He's either God or he's not. And as I was bouncing around through the scriptures this last week, I was just kind of looking at the uh, the Gospels, uh, just looking at Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke, just kind of bouncing around through there, and and all they talk about is life, death, and his resurrection. All that's what, what it basically talks about. And we need to take that information that we've given some of the all his information because the Bible is, it talks about its history. the The kingdoms were established. The artifacts are still there. Your secular writers have, have written, Josephus and, and some of these writers, about what went on. The writers of the gospel wrote about what they saw. They were there. You know, after a while, if you take uh, any situation, if, if you follow follow me around long enough, and maybe Izzy's my son, he writes down what he's seen me do for the last 30 years of my life. <laughs> I'm not 30. That was kind of a joke. But if he writes down everything that, that he'd seen, after a while, maybe you guys wouldn't believe what he wrote after so many years goes by. And I think that's what happens with the Gospels, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. People think they're just stories, and they're not. They're absolutely not stories. So that's where we're going to start out, is we're going to just look at a couple of the Gospel accounts and just touch on some of those. Real quickly, so I can get some of you out of, for football or whatever it is you were looking to do. And the very first one I looked at, obviously, was the Gospel of Matthew. And we know that uh, Matthew was a tax collector, and his, Matthew's actual name means good news. How would you like your name to mean good news? You know what I mean? Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He had one of the jobs that people hated then and people hate now. It's sort of like a code guy, you know what I mean? Building code, inspectors, nobody likes the code guys. Is there any code guys in here today? But that's usually the case. Nobody likes the tax collectors because nobody wants to give up their money. Nobody likes to give up their money. So here we have uh, Matthew, who's a tax collector, got the worst job in the world. He's also known as Levi. And basically, Jesus comes to him at the tax collector's booth and says, come follow me. Matthew leaves the booth. Immediately, it says, and comes follows Jesus. Immediately. When the Lord speaks to us, we need to move immediately. I can remember a time in in my younger days, back when I was on fire and had a lot of zeal. I can remember the Lord speaking to me to speak to my family. And it wasn't something, you know, I didn't like, oh, you know what, I don't want to talk to these guys. I just did it. I just went to speak to my family about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very difficult thing to do for some people. For Back then when, it was, uh, when I was 23 years old, it seemed pretty easy. It seemed very easy to me because I knew what the Word of God said about not believing in Jesus Christ, that we're condemned already. In Jesus Christ, it's the good news of salvation that if we believe on Him, We shall be saved. And it was like, they just don't know. They just don't know. So you you had to tell it. And we as believers, we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That means we're the representatives once we believe. So we're the ones who are are to go out and tell the good news, just like the disciples. That burden is put on us. Jesus gives gives us, us that job to do and uh, matthew's main purpose of this gospel was to prove that jesus christ was the messiah fulfilled through the scriptures that's basically there's like 15 different scriptures that talks about how jesus was the messiah so it was basically written to the jews to a jewish edge because they would know that uh, jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies and of moses and we find that actually, Nathan says that too in, uh, in uh, Matthew. I believe when he, when he found Nathan, Nathan said, we have found the Messiah who Moses has talked of and who he spoke of. So the, the, the Jews actually did know, but a lot of, a lot of them turned, you know, turned aside to what they thought was what they believed. And when you look at the scriptures in the Old Testament and fulfillment of it, the hand and the mark of God is prophecy. I'm going to flip over to Matthew real quick. Matthew 46. And I'm to, this is what it says in Matthew. No, I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. And I've I, I got to apologize. I can barely see out of one eye. We were doing a uh, ride for Anthony yesterday, and I, a bee hit me right in the forehead, went down my goggles, stung me in the eye. That's why it looks like Mike Kozachuk punched me. <laughs> but yeah, I can bar- barely see out of my left eye, so I'm struggling to see, this, uh, see the scriptures here. In uh, Isaiah 46, and verses... 8 through 11. Remember this and fix, your mind and, and fix it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From far off land, a man who to, f- f- to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. He makes the end known from the beginning. Prophecy is the mark and finger of God. There's no other book that you can read that fulfills prophecy about anything. This book is one of the most powerful books in the world. I've never read any other novel, any other book that I walked away where it spoke to my heart. No other book can do it like God. He says, I make the end known from the beginning. That is amazing what he can do. I, years ago I had a, uh, a small book. It had the list of all the prophecies of God just kind of listed. And there was, oh, I can't even remember. 30, 40, 50. was just, it was amazing. It, the, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled just in himself, in the coming Messiah. It was absolutely amazing. So once we understand who God is, and we understand the words of his prophets, and that they what they speak always comes true. It, it brings us to it brings us to a crossroads in our life. If we don't know Jesus Christ, we we have to take that information and do I believe it or do I not believe it? You know, there's there's that fork in the road they always talk about. Which way am going which way am I gonna go? And that's a difficult difficult decision sometimes for us. We start thinking about, well, what's my family going to think if I, you know, start believing God and coming to church regularly? A lot of people take heat for that in families, take a lot of heat. Very difficult to do. And, and family can pressure us to, to do different things like not go. Oh, they're just a bunch of crazy people. The one thing I do know it's appointed to every man death, then judgment. That's the one thing I do know. So everybody I've spoken to, um, everybody I've witnessed to, shared the gospel with, I didn't have to do it harshly. I didn't have to yell and scream. I didn't have to hit them with the Bible. At some point, in a generation or two, we'll all know. But I think for, for me, I've decided to err on the side of following Jesus Christ. Because once you're gone, you can't back that up. You know what I mean? You, you know, can you imagine standing in front of, well, you know, Lord, I, I had a lot going on. I was pretty busy. You remember my kids? They were a pain in the neck. You know what I mean? I, I spent a lot of time trying, you know what I mean? There's no excuse. Could you imagine having them and then watching the reel of your life? The tears—you probably be shedding. What I could have did, and what I should have did, and what I didn't do—that'd be a tough one. Because there's no, there's no getting out of that. You know what I mean? You know when, when you've done something wrong, either at your job or whatever, and you know, oh man, I've got to face the boss. You know, got to face the boss, and you, there's just no way around it. You bid a, I just bid a job, and it just went over ten thousand dollars. How do I face my? How do I? tell him about this and how to you know how does that work and you just got to go in and face the music and you know walk that long haul like you're going to death chamber you know what i mean because you know it's difficult so how much more difficult would it be standing before the lord in judgment that's very difficult there's going to be all kinds of weeping and crying and lord lord please you know what i mean Very difficult. You know, so the message is either, uh, you know, it talks about the message is the fragrance of Christ for those who are being saved. But it's a stench of death to the unbelieving, those who don't want to hear it. So if... If you're excited about getting saved and you're hearing the word of God, it, it's, it's like a fragrance. Oh, man, I didn't realize that Jesus Christ died for me. And, 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 it, and it is good news. It's, you, know, you just take in all of the, the word that you're getting, but when you don't want to hear it, you get angry. You'll probably walk away from the person you're talking to. You might get argumentative. If you don't agree with it, that's what it does for you. You know, and there's there's just a couple of there's a couple of kind of people in this world. You got your believers and your unbelievers, and I don't believe there's anything in between there. You know what I mean? You might have a person who's read it, they understand it, and they like what's being said, but they don't want to follow it. You know. The scriptures say, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And he will say, depart, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And, and I think that's where those, some of those people who read it and don't want to believe it in their heart, that, that's where they're going to be. Is, well, I, you know, I believe it. And I, was, I was a good guy. I was this. I was that. There's only one way to, to, to God. Through Jesus Christ. And that's through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. That's it. And I didn't write that. That's, that's God's word. It, it doesn't matter what church you're in. The only way to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ and asking for forgiveness and believing that God raised him from the dead. That's it. Pretty simple. Very difficult to Confess. If you could walk out of here today and ask somebody if they believe that, I bet you 10 out of 10, most people are going to tell you no. It's very difficult to do. Very, very difficult. And you remember the, uh, the parable of the sower, how the seeds were, they fell on the rocky places and on the thorns and on the, on the good soil. You know what I mean? Those that fell on the thorns sprung up fast and was choked out because of the cares of this world and this life. It was very difficult. You know, those that fell on the good soil, th- the seed went into our heart and we believed it, and it took root in us. That's what has to happen when you read the Word of God. It has to take root in what you believe, your core beliefs. That You have to take that conviction that I was talking about earlier and you have to process that and say, Lord, I've got to do better. I've got to do better. And nobody said you're going to be perfect. No one ever said you're going to be perfect. You know, because we're going to all stumble, we're all going to fall. Pastor talks about every time you fall, you, you get back up. Because we're going to make a lot of mistakes. I've made ton of mistakes in my life. The Gospel of Mark, and I... I intend on getting to actually the point in my message at some point. Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. And he accompanied uh, Paul and Barnabas on, on his first missionary journey. Uh, but he deserted them in Perga. And Paul wasn't real happy with Mark at that point. Wasn't happy about it at all. To, at the, to the point that the second missionary journey came around. And Paul and Barnabas had a dispute about taking him. And it caused a divide between Barnabas and Paul. And we, we all know some of the stories about Paul and some of the difficulties he went through in his missionary journeys, being locked up in, in prison. Um, writing the letters from prison, being beaten, uh, hungry, cold, you know, poor. Paul went through it all. And uh, Mark did accompany him on that first missionary journey. And then later on, during, the, during his uh, missionary journey, Paul does talk kindly about him, that he is a good brother and we love him. In that, if you've got a brother in the Lord that can talk to you in that, about, about you in that way, that, you know, he's made some mistakes, but man, look how he's turned it around. And that's what it's all about turning it around. You know, just trying to do the right thing. Having to desire. I mean, I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. We know that. And most of you do too. All of you do too, I would believe. And you do your best each and every day. Sunday you come out. You listen to what Pastor Frank has to say, senior and junior. We try to apply those words to our lives. Because you need to receive as... We need to receive something each and every week because we get out in the world and the world really dirties us up. So we need something, and I do. I certainly need something every week to get by. Because after listening to some of the stuff I listen to and, and going through uh, the places I go to and, and just and seeing some of, some of the stuff I see, you know, you just need to be cleaned up by the Word of God. And that's uh, just basic stuff for me, that you've got to be cleaned up and, and washed with the Word. Um, it's just essential to Christianity. Mark's, go- uh, Mark's gospel, emph- he's got a lot of emphasis, more on what Jesus did than what he said, which were basically, his emphasis were on a lot of the miracles, which is a, the miracles within themselves are a testimony to who God is. The miracles within themselves. Um, you think about the, you know, the calming of the storm story. I mean, how many people can talk to nature and it calms? calms a raging storm that everybody thinks they're about to die. You know, that's a testimony of who he was and the power he had over nature. And, and Mark makes it very clear. He goes through a lot of the, he's, he's got a ton of miracles uh, pointed out in there. And he also talks about Jesus walking on water. I've yet to see anybody walk on water in the last 80,000 years. I've never seen it. And I'm sure I won't see that till I get to heaven. And then you got the two miracles of the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 with bread and fish. And Mark documents those. And what basically happens is, like I said, after so many years, people will try to tell you these things weren't true. But the accounts that we have here, they're eyewitness accounts. By ordinary people who follow Jesus. Ordinary people who follow Jesus. It's absolutely amazing what people will say and do that keep them from believing the Word of God. In Romans it tells us, for since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You've heard it a hundred times. Nature itself even testifies to the existence of God and who God is. And Mark makes it very clear. Through these miracles, he is the Christ. I remember when Jesus was asking Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Not your brother, not your mother, not your best friend. Who do you say that I am? For thou art the Christ. He knew it. He knew it in his heart that thou art the Christ. He made his confession. And every one of us at some point in our lives have to make that confession too. For thou art the Christ. And then we have to move on from there. Thou art the Christ. And then we have to live our lives in Jesus Christ. Give our heart to him. It's amazing. Nature testifies to the existence of God. You can't walk out and look out there and say, it just happened. It just, it just can't be. Then as I bounced around, I hit the uh, gospel of Luke, who was a physician. That was his profession. And they believe it was, he was uh, probably Gentile, Gentile by birth. And a, he was also a companion of Paul at various times from his second missionary journey, even uh, around the time of his imprisonment. Luke was a good man as well. Luke wrote his account to a Roman official, we believe, named Theophilus. And he uh, directed Theophilus, Theophilus in his gospel and he says, I need to write you an orderly account. So obviously there was a lot of things going on. People were saying this and people were saying that about Jesus. So he says, I will write you an orderly account, is what he tells Theophilus here. And his name, Theophilus, whose name means one who loves God, that's what his name means. And he, we believe, obviously, he was an, an upper official uh, with the Roman government. We, they, they never really say. But uh, the book is basically addressed to him. And he says in, in Luke 1, 4, seems good also to me to write an orderly account. So he was seeking God. He wasn't Jewish. He was more of a Gentile. He was writing something for him, specifically, because because of the confusion. There's about 15 books about the gospel, about religion. There's all kinds of books out there. And some people say, "Well, how do you know?" You know. So Luke was like, "This, this is what I'll do. You know, here, here's an orderly account. This is what happened when I was there. This is what happened when." When I seen him raise uh, Lazarus from the dead, this is what I seen. And you know me so you can believe what I said. Basically, Luke is telling him, believe what I say because I was there and you know who I am. Just like I would believe some of you guys if you told me about an account of a story that maybe something people got saved or maybe somebody had a, something big time like a, a demon was cast out or something. You don't see that very often. Something like that. It's like he was there. I got it firsthand, not from him and his buddy. I got it firsthand. Then we get to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, the disciple that Jesus loved. How would you like to have that testimony? The disciple that Jesus loved. I'm that guy, I'm in heaven, I'm the guy, Jesus loved me. He really, you know, I was that kind, compassionate guy that didn't get upset when things got tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That guy. Jesus, his testimony about, was about me was that he loved me. What a great testimony to have the Lord say about you. Or anybody. He's a great guy. I love that guy. He's always doing right. He does the right things. He says the right things. He helps people out. Yeah, I seen him out last week. He was shoveling his neighbor's driveway. You know what I mean? Cutting their grass, helping people out. Standing on the street corner, helping to feed people. You know? Handing out tracks. Just loving people. It would be a great testimony to have. And John was uh, also the uh, brother the brother of James, and they were called the Sons of Zebedee. Um, And their nickname was the Sons of Thunder because they were pretty tough guys out there. They didn't fool around. They did what they needed to do. That's kind of a cool nickname, the the Sons of Thunder. And they were fishermen that we find in the Gospel of John. They were fishermen, and they were with their father, And Jesus came upon them and said, Come follow me. And immediately they left their nets to come follow Jesus. And in some of the accounts, it talks about they had been fishing all day and hadn't caught anything. And when Jesus said, Come follow me, he left. And they left immediately. And that's the way we need to have our attitudes too. We need to leave immediately when Jesus calls us. And sometimes... We don't know what our calling is in life. Sometimes it's very difficult to know. You know, some people say, well, oh, God has spoken to me. and I'm not one of those people where He just speaks to me and, and I know ex- exactly what He's trying to say. You know, so for, for me, it's very difficult. I, I need to seek prayer, I need to, to talk to the Lord and find out what He's trying to tell me because I'm just not that guy who receives it like that. Not at all but you need to seek his face in all things. And what would they say about you if they followed, if people followed you and wrote, wrote about you, what would people say about you? That's a really good question. I'd really hate to have that happen for me, somebody write down a story about what, what I did. And, you know, the, the, I think the, the best thing about the Gospel of, the gospel of John is John 3.16, one, one of the best portions in there. And, you know, you think about John 3.16, and any of you going home to watch football today, you'll probably see people holding up signs, John 3.16. You know, for years when I was a kid, you'd, you'd see John 3.16 at football games, you'd see a basketball, soccer, John 3.16, you'd like, geez, what is that, you know? For a while there, I was thinking it was some sort of a beer. You know, John three, I'll have a John three sixteen and some nachos. You know what I mean? Because you just seen it. You didn't know what it, what did it mean in a sporting game. You just didn't know when you were a kid. You just always seen the sign. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That that to me is amazing. He so loved the world from the beginning of time. God gave us a choice from the beginning of time when he created us. A choice to love him. He said, I'm going to create these people and I know how they're going to be. I know that there are people who are disobedient and they're going to be sinners and I know where they're going to be in life. But I'm going to provide a way. I'm going to provide a way to redeem them back to myself through Jesus Christ. That's what he did when he created man. So we could freely love him. That was his plan of salvation from the beginning of time. That he would make us a little lower than the angels. Give us dominion over the whole earth. And redeem us back to himself. To me that's pretty amazing. What a plan of salvation And you all, you all know that we are a wicked and very difficult people to deal with. It doesn't take much to sin. You can, thirty seconds after we're done here, just thoughts. You could just go back to, oh, I got to go deal with such and such. When I, you know, I'm heading to work and I got to deal with this stupid boss, or you know, just have a bad attitude when you walk out of here. We know we're a sinful people. Some people actually don't, but we understand that we're a very sinful people. We know our nature. And the Bible tells tells us no one does good, not even one. We need the Lord. We certainly do. It tells us in the scriptures that God is a forgiving God. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. That's the kind of God I like to serve. Abounding in love, compassionate, gracious. All those things that I'm not. All those things I want to be, that my Savior is. You just have to pray a little bit harder sometimes when you, when you don't see those things in your life. That he would give his only son in John 3.16, that he would give his only begotten son. Here's the important part of, uh, of Christ giving his life for us on the cross. That he died for us while we were yet sinners. That is pretty tough. That is, for anybody to die for somebody, knowing the things that, the bombings that go, and we're talking about from, he, knew, he knows about everybody's sin from the beginning of time. We're talking about the, the bombers. We're talking about the shootings. Just horrific things that have gone on. Christ died for all of those things. Knowing them, that he's going to die for that guy. You know, He's going to die for the people who knocked down the t- towers. You know what I mean? He knew it was going to happen before it happened. He's going to die for those things. To me, that is amazing. And I, and I think to myself, like it says in Psalms 8, what is man that you are mind of, mindful of him? The son of man. You know what I mean? What is man that you're mindful of him? That you love him like he does. I mean, we're miserable half the time. We're forgetful. We never, we half the time we don't do our duties to God that we know what they are. But he still died for us on the cross. That, to me, is absolutely amazing that he could do that. And he didn't just die. It wasn't like they just shot him, you know what I mean? And he, he, you know, he was dead. They did a number on Jesus Christ. Um, let's go to Isaiah 52, 4. 52, Isaiah 52, I believe it's in 4, if I could see that right. 14, so I can't see that. Fifty-two, fourteen. It says, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of a man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations and kings? Well, oh, wait a minute. I missed something. Human likeness. So, oh, yeah. So will he sprinkle many nations and kings? Will shout will shout their mouths because of him for what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand that is absolutely amazing that it says his appearance was disfigured beyond that of a man his form marred beyond human likeness that's quite the beating you remember it talked about when he was going to the cross the soldiers were beating him with clubs and pull, ripping out his beard and said, prophesy who hit you. He died for us on the cross, and it certainly wasn't pleasant. Certainly wasn't pleasant. And so many times I think about that, and it's like, wow, that's, that's, a lot. that's love. That's certainly a lot of love for him to do, so, do something quite like that. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 through 10 Who has believed our message, and whom the, who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shot, and like the root out of the dry ground, he had beauty or no majesty to attract us to him. I'm, from, I'm reading from the NIVN matter of fact. Nothing in his, in his appearance that we should uh, desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from men who hide their face. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our our infirmities and carried out our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by men, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed and he was crushed for our iniquities. it's absolutely amazing. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. God that God would come down to earth and body body form, in human form to die on a cross for us in such a horrible heinous way, and I just want to say, guys, that we really need to give our lives to Jesus Christ, as it tells us in Romans ten nine. And if you are a believer today and you want to recommit yourself to him, just when you go home today, you pray about that. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He holds the keys to all life. And when he died, he said he was going to go back and prepare a place for us, and he was coming back for us. And no eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those, of, those he loves. So let's just keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for your word and how it speaks to each of our hearts. We pray, God, that you would just uh, bless the word. And, Father, that there was just one or two words, Lord, that has pricked us, that, Lord, that we could take, take with us. And, Lord, that uh, we would decide to change our ways and do things differently. I would ask, God, that uh, everyone here would be blessed, Lord, as they leave this building, and Lord, that you would uh, take them home safely and they would be able to come back next week and just hear the word once again. And Lord, that we'd be able to serve you, Lord, until our time is up. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.